to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. I'm Ollie. And we are Creeping It in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. I don't know the episode. I left it blank. Is it episode 78? I think we, met, we, we messed up on Final Destination, didn't we? And We fucking messed up on everything. I don't really know what happened to us at that point, but I think I'm, I'm checking, but I'm placing my bets on... 79. 79, yeah. Well, whatever the... Mo- we'll just name oh, it. Oh, no, it's 78. It's 78. So it's 78. Right, so episode 78. We uh, got there. The, the Conjuring 2. <laughs> The Conjuring 2, God, I have regrets. What do you mean? I just have regrets. What about watching it when you did? <laughs> yes. So, story, mini story time. So I moved out on my own and I've never I've never lived on my own before fully. But I've moved I moved into a new place and I was it's the first time I've I've had to watch a horror film in the dark on my own. So originally the plan was for Oliver to come round on Saturday and record and so I thought okay I'm gonna have to watch it Friday night because I've been at work all day so I sat and shat myself on Friday night I added it to the Instagram story actually (laughs) but I watched it on Friday night and oh my god it was so scary and the thing is as well I had to like watch it through my laptop on a HDMI cable and so I was watching it through my laptop but my laptop had reflected and so fucking thought Vala could popped up at my window I fucking nearly died it was absolutely awful I just couldn't cope with it. So I'm going to throw out a bit of a curveball with this film. I don't really think that this is that good of a conjuring. And let me tell you why. So, I I want to ask you a question. This is hard to ask to you because you are a massive fan of the conjuring films, which is fine because they are very good films. But it it highlighted a lot when I was re-watching this film. And maybe it's just because, and I'll get into it, but... It, it's I think like it's very much dragged out, but how rewatchable are these films? I don't know. Unless can... unless you're a massive fan of the franchise, which you are, like I, I was, for example, like the the twist in this one is very good. Uh, so towards the end, the, the the whole time you think it's this old man who's a paranormal spirit, yeah, but he's actually just a puppet in Valak's game to to make Ed and Lorraine leave, thinking it's nothing sinister, like nothing bad, yeah, and then it can do whatever it wants to do. But the, when that twi- when you know that twist and you know the story is, the, the f- two-thirds of the film is just fucking a really shit-haunting film. Like, the twist is a big sell factor, which makes me think, how rewatchable is it? Because I know the twist. So from the majority of the time I was watching this film, and the, even the bits that, like, the crooked man and that, that just wasn't scary anyway. Like, even if I didn't know the twist, then it seemed very... I, I don't know, like... Uh, I, one of, probably my favourite Conjuring is The Nun, and I know that that's going to piss you that's off. That's so fucking disappointing. But I, I love Valak. I think Valak, and that, he, Valak saves this film. I don't think it's a he or a she, it's just a demon, it's, a demon. It's, not, it's not a human Let's being. not assume the gender exactly. of the demon. Valak saved this film, and this film to watch once is good because the twist is good, and it, it's like, you piece of puzzle, like the puzzle gets pieced together. But I, I just I just found myself like kicking my heels throughout the, mo- like, throughout the vast majority of it because... It's this old man, which again, even before you know the twist, he's supposed to be the bit that's scaring you up until you realise it's Valak. Not scary. The the crooked man, not scary. Like, it, it just... I just thought it, it felt a bit weak. 
the thing is, and I think you'll agree with me here, you're not big into hauntings anyway. Yeah. It, paranormal is not your thing. You don't mind it, but it's not your thing. Yeah. See, I love the Enfield case, and I, I read up on cases like that. Like, I paranormal is my thing. I prefer paranormal over true crime. So it's not just the scare factor for me. It's the story that goes with it. Now, hands that, down... That is, that is true. It's a good, it is a good story, but I look at it as more of... You're, you're right, you want a story told. I want, I want to be scared. And hands down, this story is heavily fabricated. And, you know, I'll get into it a little bit later, but this, the Enfield haunting is... Whilst people have said that there, are, there is something in the house, it was largely fabricated by um, Janet and her sister, Matt Agret. I, I, I will say that there are some good characters in this film. Like they do, I can't remember what his name is, the one with big glasses and the like bald spot, grey curly, like fuzzy Oh, Mo- Morit. It, it, like Morris. Lorraine, like, I like the fact that when Lorraine calls him out saying, are you just trying to do all this to to prove and make, like prof, basically profit off it, prove that there's an afterlife, whatever, or like, because we're doing it to help the family. And then he, he has his backstory about how his, was it his daughter or someone his was killed in a car. Right, and that's just such good character depth that you don't really need, but that's what separates a shit film from a good well, film. Well, that was, that was real. So he had a, uh, Morris really had a really close bond with Janet in real life because his daughter was also named Janet. Oh, right. And she died a few, a few months earlier, so it was sort of his way of redemption of... Of saving her, I guess. I'm def- I'm definitely not saying it's a bad film because it is a good film. I'm just talking about its rewatchability. Like I, I found myself as soon as Valak comes more into the like the bits from Valak, I fucking love. Like, and it's not just because I'm fanboy over fucking Valak. Valak's scary. Like, that is presently you can tell he's not he's not human. Like, the the old man and the, the like. Well, the old man in it. Like once Bill. you put one, yeah, once you put a face to it, and he's not. He's just got like a weird old British deep voice. It was just I just felt it was a bit shit. But then when Valak's in it, like it's the, the the entertainment factor goes up tenfold. Like all of a sudden you feel you, you feel frightened again of what, what it's what it's gonna do. See, I'm not as sold on Valak as you are. I feel like I I feel like this film could not pick its its demon. It couldn't pick who it wanted to focus on. And that was one of my drawbacks. So you had so first of all you had Amityville and it had nothing to do with Amityville like the very open scene is told in Amityville mm. but you had that and then you had so you had the DeFeos then you had the nun so you had Valak but we didn't know it was Valak at the time but you had yeah. the demon nun then you had Bill then you had the crooked man and it just felt like the film was trying to pull in too many villains and I feel like that was Partly because of the success that Annabelle had from the original mm. Conjuring series. When they bring in different villains, they can branch them off well, and spin off the story. not stories. to bring it in for a second week in a row. Second? Yeah, it was last week. Spider-Man 3 came under a lot of... <laughs> no, seriously, it came under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of people criticised it because it had, it had Sandman in it, Doctor Octavius in it, and uh, Venom, which is three massive Spider-Man villains, and they all got shoved into one film. So people were like, they didn't get enough screen time, you don't get enough time to learn about them. Mm. And it's because no one could make up, like everyone had different opinions on which one should be in the film, so they just thought, fuck it, let's just chuck let's them all chuck in. Let's chuck them all in. And it's, it's the same here. God, Valak, Valak just is, is the best. Valak, Valak's what I remember from the Conjuring series whenever I think See, about it. See, Bathsheba's what I remember. Which one's Bathsheba the first? The first Conjuring, the witch. Because I just remember on that wardrobe. And that, it, I, I, even now, I've, I must have seen the Conjuring 
at least 50 times. And every time I watch it, I know what's coming and I cannot look at the screen because it phys she physically frightens me that much. If I had to do a walk in a haunted house and it was a conjuring one, I wouldn't do it. Oh God, I, I couldn't do one with, with Valak in. I but Valak doesn't really bother me at all. The much. whole presence of like, I, I love, it, happen, it happens a couple of times in, uh, in this film, I, I'm, I'm sure it does. And it happens a lot in The Nun because it, it was set back in a lot of previous times and it's, but it's like when there's like a low quiet that goes, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and I just think, oh, that is terrifying. <laughs> I fucking stand there it's like, this is It's sort of terrifying. like, you know, where as above, so below when they're in the cave. Yeah. It's that sort of music, isn't it? Yeah. But I do stand to point that, so there is a scene where Valak does scare me and we will get onto it as we work through our movie, but that is the only way time that, that the nun scares me. Otherwise, it doesn't really bother me. I'm not, I, I, think, I think the makeup looked ridiculous. I feel like it I, ruined it for me. I'm not saying that it scares me, but I'm saying it entertains me. Like, you know, like, I used to class how I used to be really, like, they got a point where I was really scared of screen to the point where I can't watch it. That's that's being scared. This is, like, entertainment scared. Where yeah. I'm, I'm not, like, scouring oh, yeah, the screen, but that it's... It, like, it feels scarier to me, if you get what I'm saying. And alongside the idea of rewatchability, like, I, I You just, love the I love Ed and Mary Warren. Like, if I, if I told you to watch the f Halloween 1, 2, 4 again, you'd probably think, fuck's sake, like... I'd do it for you, but I wouldn't want but, it. But, yeah, but you, whereas if I told you, oh, go watch Scream 1, 2 and 3, you'd watch her yeah, instantly. It, it's just happen. personal preference, isn't yeah. it, with rewatchability. Well, I love, I love the love story with the Warrens. I mean, it's heavily fabricated, and in real life, you know, a lot of evidence points towards the fact they were terrible people. But I just like, I just like them. If they could have done... Because this case is so far away from what the Warrens actually did, they could have been called the Florens, yeah. and it'd be a completely different film and not have that stigma attached to it, but it is the Warren case file, so... Question for you, do you would you think it's a good idea for them to release, like, a series, like, with them actors in? Like, the, what, call, as calling it the Warrens or something, and it's like, it's... it's like hour long episodes of I mean shit me I would watch it <laughs> do, you think, do you think it'd be a good idea though yeah I think the I, Warren Files or something I think it'd be very well done I think it I think it'd have to be James Wan directing yeah. it because the third one I was just really disappointed mm. with but we have a good reviews from the third one it's it, I've seen good and I've seen bad yeah. I it I just think they should personally... I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. But I haven't seen it. I'm not... No, I'm not going to spoil, spoil. But it's not... <laughs> I'm only gonna, I'm only going to half spoil. But it, I'm not telling you anything about the ending of it. But they're focusing on a witch. Right. And I just feel like it's better when they deal with... Demons. Yeah, demonic entities yeah. or hauntings. Because it's not the same. But it, it was okay. It wasn't... It wasn't like Scream 3, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? But, you know, it wasn't my favourite. But let's get into the film anyway, or else we're going to be here forever. So, once again, starts off with Amityville. I feel like this is really confusing because it has nothing to do with Amityville. But they, they're they sitting there because they're talking about... They've been brought in by the Lutzes, who were the second family to move in after the DeFeos. And what happened was Ronnie DeFeo shot his family when they slept and his claim was something was telling him to do it and something was telling him that the family were conspiring against him mm. and so he shot the family before they could kill him essentially so i love the camera work in this scene i just think it's like in fact actually scratch that the whole film the camera work is incredible mm. it's things like when they're all sitting down at the table and it's just a single strip of light on lorraine's eyes yeah. and it's things like when she walks upstairs and she's acting as defeo yeah 
and she's shooting them and then when like she walks past the mirror it is DeFeo but yeah. she's the one doing it I just think it's absolutely incredible and that was also done a little fun fact it was done in one take so it was like yeah. a Michael Myers walk through a house yeah. like that that's how it was and it was just incredibly done she ends up seeing a little demon kid running downstairs and the demon kid was like one of the kids that was killed and Ed begs her to come back but she still goes down to the basement anyway they uh, all the kids are lined up there and they look to a mirror she undoes it and the demon nun is there essentially and she projects a vision or they project a vision it projects a vision is that what we're going yeah, it yeah. it projects a vision of ed being impaled though we don't quite see it very clearly yeah, just yeah it's not as clear but that absolutely petrifies lorraine because that's the one fear that she has and then it's nothing to do with Amityville. Is that, is that the moment where she says that's as close to hell as I ever, as I ever want to get? get? That's a freaky line there. Yeah. And I, oh, they're just such goals. This is a Christian superhero movie. Like, this is this is the Bible coming for everyone, and mm. I'm here for it. So it cuts to 70s England, London, and there's two kids smoking on the stairs. And she uh, it just makes me laugh because they're just sitting there smoking a cigarette they look like barely 11 years old and then she's like oh i've got to give you back the spirit board <laughs> and i was like what yeah. the fuck making ouija boards at school is not normal behavior at yeah. that age but that was actually true like they had made a, it was her and her sister that originally made the sp- uh, spirit board but i just, I just yeah. want to say that the film does do a good job of uh visualizing like britain i think it felt yeah. very english the it film. did feel like, very it looked english. very english yeah well it was set in england at that point so it wasn't yeah english. but like yeah. even like the lingo of the actors and stuff and on the way out of school one of them calls him a lesbo and she's like you're talking about your mum and stuff like it's just, just <laughs> that's definitely it's, that's, that's what I mean it's just, it's just British back and forth it, it definitely does I didn't feel like this was an American crew film in a British movie yeah. it just felt like it was literally filmed in Britain with it reminds me of Kez everybody's seen Kez in England you know the one about the Kestrel the, the the little lad. Somebody will put it on for you in drama at some point. It's like a typical British staple school film. It was like, right, okay, I've got a date today, kids. Let's uh, let's stick that on. But it was very much like that. And it just makes me laugh that she catches him smoking, <laughs> sends him in and then she's yeah, smoking she the cigarette afterwards. Yeah. I was like, can relate. So the family are rather poor. We get, they're on the way back. So you've got four kids. You've got Billy, Johnny, Margaret and Janet. And Janet's sort of the lead of all the kids with, I would say Margaret and uh, Billy coming in a close second. Now, Johnny wasn't really featured in the film too much, but that's because in real life he was away at boarding school. So he doesn't really have much of a, much of a thing to play in the film anyway. Yeah. But the family, as I say, the family are rather poor. The house looks really bare. And we meet the mum, Peggy, and she's having a go at Janet for smoking while smoking. So in yeah. like five minutes, you've got like two kids being absolutely done for it. And then both parents are smoking behind it, which was quite funny. But then, oh, the crooked man. Like, you, you can hear the crooked man around. Now, I can understand why this isn't scary to the average person. But my mum, our mum, she is also your mum. When I was little, she used to read me nursery rhymes and the crooked man was in mm. one of the nursery rhymes and it shit I was shit scared. It's not it's not you've got a personal reason behind it, but I think in terms of like and it I I don't know how I feel about it because it is just cliche like a kid's toy going around with a with a poem and or, yeah. or a rhyme and it's like maybe may, maybe I'm just drowning myself out with horrors like so it 
desensitizing yeah, yourself yeah I was just kind of like oh, here's a f- oh I bet I wonder if that's going to come into play <laughs> later on and there's going to be a jump scare when it, the camera pans away from the do you know what I mean I was just like you could, just, it's just predictable it is but mum used to say it to me when I was little and she used to do it in this really creepy fucking voice and it just shat the life out of me yeah. so I cannot listen to that song anymore so the sisters who uh, use the spirit ball together and it starts out, it, it, it's really sad, but it's quite funny how it suddenly flips, but it starts out with, uh, are there any spirits here? And then Janet pops out with, is dad ever coming home? And yeah. I was like, fucking hell, that got deep really quick. Yeah. That went from zero to 60, uh, but there's zero no response. To 60. Zero to 60, yeah. Zero to 100. No, zero to 60, because it's like zero to a minute. It's gone in 60 seconds. That's where the phrase came from. No, did you not just say that escalated quickly? No. Zero, what, I thought you... Did you not just say that escalated quickly, zero to 60? Yeah, not to 60. Like, it, that's the point. Yeah, but you said... Gone you in say, 60 seconds. Like, no, no don't 60. start... When, no, it's a phrase! When you say, like, someone else has gone escalate quickly, so that went from zero to 100 real quick. No, you don't. You, that, that, we're not talking about fucking... We're not buying a fucking car from a dealership talking about not to well, 60 maybe I times. Am. From zero to 60, meaning... Means how quick your car gets from zero to 60. Shut up. That, that's what it means. The, the saying is from zero, zero to... Zero to 60. Usually when someone goes from being really calm or content to just going crazy and yelling and screaming in anger because of a little incident for no reason, zero to 60. I've never heard of that. You are right, but I've never heard of that. Okay, well... You've been right for like the past two weeks on the podcast mm. about something or other, so I'm allowed one of them at some point. Anyway, it's bedtime and Janet's struggling to sleep and you can start hearing whistling. And I think it's um I think it's three blind mice, but it might not be. It's either three blind mice or another song, but I know it. I I recall it. it's it's definitely a nursery rhyme, but she ends up in the chair. And this chair plays a bigger part in the rest of the film. Yeah. But I just think the transitions are amazing in this film. The transitions are good, yeah. And then there's a loud banging on the bedroom door and Margaret opens it because the bedroom door's locked and nobody's there, but Janet just walks in. So it cuts to uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren for a minute and they're in a, a, a mo- say movie interview, TV interview and they're the being interviewed and this guy's giving him a little bit of lip and he's accusing Lorraine of being yeah. a fake and then so defended and it's so cute mm. but do you notice that when I've and this is also really cute this could be a fun fact I feel like in part four I'm going to kick myself for telling you this however when uh, whatever dress she wears he wears a matching tie oh, through right. the whole film and I part just think four. that pardon part four of, part four of two truths and a lie you oh, have to do yeah, part yeah. three at some point so yeah. it means mine will be part four but yeah I just think that's the cutest thing in yeah. the world but he does, he gets really defensive about it and he kicks off and he's getting angry because he feels like people are just taking the mick. He goes on to explain. And that must be really frustrating. I mean, I, f- I feel like the whole world comes to the conclusion now that Ed and Lorraine were big hoaxes. Like, it was never... Maybe they found something genuine once or twice, but if they did, like, they completely exploited yeah. it. But, you know, there's, there's occasions in life where people are saying something... And people have done something or seen something and they've tried to explain it and other people have been like, yeah, right. Yeah. And tried to, like, that must be so frustrating. Yeah, it would, it would grind your gears. Especially, yeah. Especially when the, the, problem, the thing is, in this film, and I'm not saying this is how they were in real life, but in this film, you know that they're just, all they want to do is help people. They don't, yeah. They don't, they don't, they just give, they don't it's take anything. It's not profit, it's... So when someone shout like, 
you, you think I'm doing all these things, people, and all people can say is bad stuff about me. Yeah. Oh, it, it would it would grind your gears. Wouldn't yeah, it? it would. And to be fair, I think they're on the verge of giving up anyway because Lorraine saw what she saw with Ed, yeah. and he's sort of getting put off it, and so they've just sort of branched out against it. But then it cuts back to the crooked man rhyme. So the practicing because Billy's got a speech impediment, yeah, and he's he's got a stammer, and so they that helps and that does help. That's a factual thing. Like using music to yeah rectify a stammer does sometimes help. But the mum is looking and it's a really sweet scene. And these kids get on really well. Like yeah. when we were kids, like that we fucking fought cat and dog. I kicked mm. flipped you over a monopoly board. Yeah, and yeah, they're sitting there and helping practicing the rhymes, and it's just so lovely. But then the, she brings them the biscuits and she's like, right, don't have too many because your mouth will go dry. Now, this kid is a brave bastard because who do you know that would walk around a house in the dark at night? Yeah. Bec- especially at that hour because fucking hell, I don't even do that. If yeah. I need the toilet, there is no way that not every single light is going on there on my way back. But he just strolls in, walks downstairs, and there's just an unusual amount of fog (laughs) in the back garden. I mean, London was foggy at that time in the 70s because there was, like, the great smog and things like that. But, you know, it it was overly foggy, definitely. But it's a really, really good scene because then Janet is having really bad dreams at the same time. And Margaret tries to wake her, but Janet is talking in her sleep and you just hear... This is my house. And this, this is when I get pissed off because that, vo- that voice is supposed to be scary, but it sounds shit. It just doesn't sound scary to me. But it's not supposed to sound scary, and it wasn't supposed to sound scary in when it was the whole case. The whole point of that voice is that it was just an old man's voice, but it was coming from a girl's body. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do get that. If but, there was a demonic voice, it would just But at the same time, it's still there. To, like I'm still there to be entertained. I'm still... Like the audience is still there to be like, well, like just some something like that. I just find cringe. But it, I think it it's I think it's terrifying. I differ on that because it's the concept that, and I found the voice scenes with Bill as Janet were were quite terrifying, especially oh God, no. the first interview one. And but it is because how could a voice possibly come from a little girl like that? Like how could that happen? It just cringed me out when I when I listened to it. Oh no, I liked it, but. So after that, the this is my house situation, I was just sitting there like, just put a pillow over her face, Margaret. Nobody nobody would fault you at this point in time. But Billy then sets off the fire engine when he's coming upstairs and he manages to turn it off in time, but shoves it into the little, on the, the teepee tent thing. Yeah. yeah. And it bleeps and he looks because it bleeps for a second, but then it goes off. And he gets back into bed and then suddenly the truck comes up playing and I was like, because that was the bit I videoed myself on Instagram. God, like, oh God, shit. Really? I know coming. Yeah, it creeps me out. Oh. The Conjuring series creeps me out, but you're not a paranormal fan. I, I'm, it's not that I'm not a fan. It's just like, how many fucking times have I seen like a ball get rolled back or something? It's like, it's like may, maybe there's a, I, if I was a director, right, and I, you probably can't fault them for this, but Conjuring went so well. These other horror films have done so well at the big ones because they've got a formula. Yeah. Like, you you have to have this bit, then you have to have... You don't have to, but... And it's it's a risk, and it's it's not just a risk in case it turns out bad, but you're also 
you're choosing not to create what a lot of people enjoyed the last time. Mm-hmm. And I think once you do it too many times, that's when stuff begins to get washed out and people lose interest, like the Friday the 13th. So like, you, know, you use that formula too many times without adapting anything. And it is on the conjuring too, so and I've but I just find all paranormal not in all, but in the majority it's like there's always like a kid's toy that rolls back out. And I'm but 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 that that stuff works, people do enjoy that. Like for example, I'm not saying that my opinion's like the vast majority, I'm probably out like I'm probably the minority when I say it, but I just think stuff like that. I just think, oh like what else is there like? Yeah, do, but you like you liked else. it in Insidious too. I, I'm, saying I'm, I'm saying I'm saying yeah I'm saying I've liked it before but what the, what the baby stroller the baby like the the walker when it was like bang it banged into the piano and like it was flung across the room and it was rolled out randomly I can't remember that she put that. Callie in put what in the baby I can't remember oh well you you said you liked that and so I don't know I guess there's a way to do it but the thing is there's a thing and it's called um, in writing it's called death death of an author or death by an author something like that and it's basically where it's the concept that no idea is completely original anymore everything is taken from snippets of things that we've seen we've done we've heard and it's sometimes it's not even on purpose like you can create something and feel like it's completely original but actually it's just snippets of different things that you've seen in your life and so it is the argument that nothing's original and so you've got to take something my my you, yeah, you're right in what you're saying. But I, from my perspective, The Conjuring 2 is just a repetition of The Conjuring 1 until the twist comes in. It's just a, a demonic, or like, we think it's a demonic at least, takeover of a person, of a child. That, But all, all that happens is normally where the films begin, it's Final Act, we find out it's Valak, and it, the fucking Final Act in this film is top-notch. It's one of the best. But I just feel like up until this point, it's just so repetitive with like all the other films. But... It is, it is so good, but I just, there, there, just didn't, there was nothing to keep me interested. Like, I was just sat there at work and I was like, just tapping my pen, like, because I, I just wanted to get to the good bit towards the end. Maybe the end's just too, I, I enjoy Valak too much to appreciate the start of the film, but when it's just going through all the textbook, like, right now we've got, to have a, we've got to have a poem, we've got to have a rhyme, we've got to have a toy come out, we've got to, do you know what I mean? We've got our people not believing them. It's just, it's like this formula that works. See, the thing is, I, I do think you have to have an interest in paranormal cases to really enjoy The Conjuring and rewatch it. Yeah. Because every time there's something new, and it is very interesting, but as I say, I do think you have to have a healthy interest in paranormal activity to be able to really appreciate I, I, the I, film I, more I, than I do, I do have an interest in paranormal activity, but I just I just feel like there's nothing different. Like, there's no... They're not... Like, even, like, and I'm off back to it again, but the toy going back and forth, that's been done before. Like, just use something else in the house, something that we haven't seen, but it's it's because it's kids and it's because it's toys and it's childlike and it's, that's what makes it even scarier for your standard audience. Like, whereas for someone who's dissects, I watch a lot, because I, I, we watch more horror films than you probably should to be able to enjoy them. Like, the, a good horror film, like... You should watch them every once in a while because then you get fucking scared again. But because we're watching them every week, yeah. kind of the, so maybe if I hadn't watched a horror in a while, or for example, if I watched this the first time, I won't be complaining. Mm. Or maybe it's just the frequency of how many horror films you watch, and I just feel like I see that stuff all the time. It's the same. I'm not the same in Halloween. Like it's always the same formula. It's a final girl, and that it gets washed out. It gets boring. And I'm not saying it's washed out or boring here, but it's kind of like oh, you know that's coming. You know that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I do understand. But I, do, I, I, still, I still defend it, but I defend it because I like the story. Yeah. But I do understand where you're coming from. It is, it is done. It's been done many times. Yeah. But, but then, I, but then that, that's, when the, that's when 
Don't fix what ain't broken comes into play. It's one of those yeah. ones, isn't it? It's, it's opinion. It's a big risk to be able to do something completely like, new. People like me are maybe why in the Conjuring 3 they tried something different, which is why then you, who enjoyed the stuff before, do you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those yeah. things you can never truly win. You can't have... You can't I have, didn't, you I take didn't hate year. the Conjuring 3. I don't... But I don't... I think it's the weakest out of the three. Yeah. But I would, I would quite like to watch it again. I was a little bit drunk in the cinema when I watched it. But I would like to watch it again. And I feel like in the future, maybe not near future because we've already done two. But in the future, I would like to have a look at three. And I'd like to see your opinion about it because I don't mm. know whether you'd like it more or less. Uh, it's I'm not in cinemas anymore, is it? Because I'd actually want to watch it. No, it's not. But you can you can rent it. Yeah, I'll, so. do, I'll do that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you knew what I meant. Uh, no, I'm, I'm saying I'll, I'll rent it. <laughs> I know you'll rent it. Okay, right. So it's uh, we, we then get to the point where Billy gets to Peggy and she hears rocking coming from the chair. But it's Janet who's on the chair and she's like, you absolutely terrified me. But they think that she's ill and she has a temperature or something like that. So yeah. Janet gets the day off and she's sitting and watching TV and then the TV starts changing. And I think I like this scene as well. So she's changing the TV. She gets a phone call from her mum and she's like, you know, I'm feeling okay. Um, I'm just watching a little bit of TV, blah, blah, blah. And then when she sits back down, the TV starts changing again. Yeah. And it changes to things, and this is going to sound very stereotypical, but it changes to things that an older person would watch. And she keeps flicking it back and then it goes to static. And when she turns it off, she sees Bill in the reflection yeah. and then he screams, it's it's my house. And we cut back to Ed and Lorraine again. Now this, it, oh, th- you know what? This may have been why I like The Conjuring 2 so much. So A, Ed is painting the nun that yeah. he sees. He was like, I was just inspired by it. I can't get it out of my head. And you'd have thought that maybe Lorraine would have said something at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've seen that. Maybe we should just back off. Yeah. But she's sitting at the kitchen and Valak is in two different places. Like, you can see it. Written, yeah. Yeah. You can see it's, on, it's on the... It's it's in, like, pasta shapes at the start, yeah. like, in, in the kitchen counter bit, and then it's there's a little sign, and it's, like, love, but the, the V is capitalised, and then it has Alec in the back, and yeah. it's there as well. And you see it again later yeah, on. Yeah, on the bookcase, on yeah. the bookshelf thing. But Lorraine wants to stop the paranormal shit, basically. Yeah. She's sort of saying, look, we've we've had enough and she I believe that she tells him then that that's what she yeah, saw yeah she says, she says that she, I, I, saw, I saw that demon and it, it killed like you died and, and all that yeah stuff. and I like the idea as well that she, she's sort of sitting there and telling him all this and she she's arguably the most maternal caring one out of the two like he is caring I'm not saying he's not but she always seems to be the driving force behind the we need to help these people sort of thing yeah. it's like in the first one when Carolyn went to the university lecture to talk to them and Ed was like, you know, well, we can't do this, can't do that, blah, blah, blah. You just, it's probably this. And Lorraine was like, no, we'll, we'll come and help. The, it, the, the, the roles are reversed in this film, though, I think, in the sense where Lorraine is always willing to put, her, put other people before herself, but this was the first time she had to put other people above Ed, which she yeah. wasn't willing to do. It was Ed that had to say, no, we've got to do this. Yeah, and I, that is, it's quite an emotional... The the end the end between them two is like it's, it's again it's maybe it's another reason why I think the, the majority of this film is is not bad but hard to rewatch because I just want to see Ed and Lorraine because they're the people I'm here to watch like I want to yeah. like they they've just got they're so good as a couple on screen like and they're so believable and 
Like when you spend half the like you teased right at the start with them two, and then you, you're not seeing them again. For yeah, a and lot so of you the are film. waiting. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking during the like a haunting activity. I was like, all right, but what are the Rain and Ned up yeah. to? Like, where are they? What are they doing? And yeah, they they I would argue potentially the strongest chemistry I've seen on screen in a film, mm. or at least in the top five. Yeah, like they are incredible together, but they get on very well off screen as well, from all by accounts. So. Uh, it, it, it works and you can see it but then Janet it cuts back to London again and Janet is tying herself to the bed because she's going walkabout in the night and yeah. she's getting worried about it and I just found that so sad And but she ends up uh, on the floor and she manages to free herself and heads downstairs the chair starts rocking and then the chair moves next to her and the door starts swinging open and she gets under the sheet, which, and I just, I love that bit because that is so what a child would do. Yeah. And I was, you know what, actually, to be fair, it's probably what I would do if I saw something mm. like that happening. And so she gets under the sheet and the, and, and Bill sort of like yanks it off and the bed starts shaking and then things are starting to happen to Margaret as well. They start screaming and something's also bitten Janet, yeah. like really badly on her shoulder. It looks like a real deep bite mm. mark. And I just love how the ghost gives no fucks because Peggy then comes in and she finds the spirit board under the bed and she's like, yeah, you've been scaring yourselves hard to bits. There's no wonder I can't get any bloody sleep at night. Yeah. And the fucking drawer just flies Bye, over. Sure. And she's like, and it's, it's a relief to see something like that because you're like, oh, thank you. Because yeah, we've spoken about this plenty of times, but there's nothing worse than when you're watching a film. And I know it's important for films where you need someone to believe someone else that they don't believe in right away. But then the films when they drag it out across the whole film, and it's like, oh, just something happens so that they can see and we can move on to the next, the yeah. next, the next phase of the film. And I like how it's just like you basically saying stop fucking about, and then it slams shut because now it's like right now the audience and the the characters are all on the same page. We all know yeah. this one's real. So now what do we do? You kind of feel like it's vindicated. Yeah, in the way, yeah. You're like, you're right, in now, yeah, you're like now we all know like what's the next step. Yeah, and so they fuck off to the neighbour's house, which is even better, because I was like, yes, that's exactly what you would do. You would be out that house within seconds. And the police arrive, and it even fucks the police about, like, the chair moves, and they walk out. I just love how they all walk out, like, well, uh, there's uh, not much we can do about that. (laughs) And they're like, you know, we'll we'll say we saw it, but that's really only what we can do. We can't do anything else. So at this point, now this is the scare. I think this is the scariest bit in the film for me. This bit actually makes me want to be sick. I'm so glad that I didn't film this one because, I, I, to be fair, my head was sort of buried in the cushion as I was watching it. I sort of had my eyes peeping over like, fuck. But it's the bit between Lorraine and Judy. Oh, so... oh. Uh, Judy a kid? Yeah, Judy's yeah, a girl. Get... Oh, yeah, this is so fucking good. Lorraine and Judy are at home and something walks behind the shutters. So Lorraine's just chilling and reading a Bible and Judy's doing something creative. And Judy senses it and she sort of looks up and it cuts back to Lorraine and she sort of looks around and Judy's not there anymore. So she goes to find her and Judy's just standing there looking at the edge of the hallway and she says to Lorraine, who's that? And Lorraine looks forward and the nun's just standing there. It is a fucking (laughs) It is horrendous. It's not doing anything either. It's just standing there. That's what I like. I love it. You know, I've said it before on the podcast plenty of times, you know, and like, for example, um, the woman in black, when he looks back and she's in the window... I, they don't have to be jumping out or doing something aggressive or violent. They just have to be there. They just have to be there looking at you. And that for me is like, oh God. It's, like, I've, I've got this TikTok I'll show you after here and it's just, it's fake, but it, I just look at it and it makes me wig out because it's just, it's, someone's watching you. 
But yeah, and then oh, the shadow as well. Yeah, that, this that, is, that, the that bit. is one of the best bits out of the Conjuring franchise. That I agree. That, that this is that's the type of stuff where I'm saying that's thinking outside the box. Yeah, that, that's taking it to the next level. So let's explain what happens. So Lorraine goes in, and we mentioned before that Ed has been painting that nun. And it's just up on the fucking wall. Of course it is. That's exactly what you want in your room. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, all right then. So in the there's the picture of the nun on the wall, and there's also on another easel a painting of a, a haunted house that Ed's been drawing as well. And Lorraine sort of looks at the nun photo, and it's pitch black. And she goes, she turns the light on, and uh, like there's nothing there. It's not. It, it's not anything special yeah. but then she ends up getting distracted by the other painting and the music starts playing Heart the Herald Angels Sing and the lights go out again and the shutters go down and it, it just goes fucking batshit and then she's watching this shadow start oh, walking across the and room and you can see it's a nun shadow can, like you can and see it's by the walking shape, so slowly and it comes behind the painting and stops and turns and then you just see these Fingers creep yeah. around the uh, creep around the painting edge, and after the painting it like they've got around the painting edge, you just sat there waiting for it. And you think you fall, you, you know exactly what's coming, and then it just fucking runs at her, and I was like, <gasps> but there was also I, I noticed it, and it's little details like that that I love that there were certain times in throughout that scene when the, the painting's eyes came alive like just the yeah. eyes and it became the nun's eyes but the painting was still the same and I was just like oh god this is horrible yeah oh, and it was Val- Valak is sick it, Valak that, is that sick bit thing. was terrifying but then after that I feel like Valak's not that scary anymore yeah I just think the makeup looked ridiculous I think from further away it looked scarier. If she'd have looked like Ed made a look on the painting, she'd have been scarier. Yeah. They went just too over the top with what a demon was supposed to look like, in my opinion. Yeah. However, it was it was it was decent enough. So yeah, she makes a Lorraine makes a run for it, and then back in the actual reality of things, she's scratching the name Valak yeah. into the Bible. You see her scratching a V, but you don't really think anything about yeah. it. Now I'm gonna be brutally honest, and I'm proud of saying this. The first time I watched it, I went to see it at the cinema and immediately I whispered to whoever I can remember who I was with. But I went, why is Valak in so many places? I was like, what's what's with the name Valak around the place? Yeah. And they were just they just sort of shrugged. And then when it was like, we need the name of a demon to be able to take power over it, I just turned to my friend and I went, Valak! <laughs> I was like, that's the name of the demon, I bet you. And it was. So I am happy that I got it. Well Thank you. I needed that vindication. So after that, there's an interview with Janet. So it cuts back to London and Bill is using her. And this really creeped me out. So Morris is talking to him and it's it's not so much what Bill says. It's Janet's face. Yeah. Like a mouth. St- when, she, when he laughs, that creeps me out. Yeah. And it's just a facial expression. It is terrifying. But then the crooked man starts playing in the house that and Peggy and the kids are in there because they're still at the neighbours yeah. and it starts playing on its own in the house and we've learned previously in the film that they train the dog to be able to ring a bell when it needed to go to the yeah. toilet and Billy is the only one that wakes up and so they Billy gets up, he looks towards the front door and there's nothing there but the dog's at the back door 
and like scratching to get out and he opens the door but then the dog just becomes the crooked man that was See, pretty I, fucking I, 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 I do you know what I watched and I wrote it down I said the crooked man looks laughable and then in brackets goosebumps it looks it does look goosebumpsy it didn't look scary but the bit where he contorted in yeah, front of the dog that creeped me un- out yeah unveil, unveil himself in front of him yeah, the actual... it, it was a shock like I wasn't expecting that to happen but then it's a it's a delivery of the crooked man and I'm just like mm, like just it does feel very goosebumpsy yeah I agree I don't think he looked scary at all. It didn't scare me, but it was just the transformation of the dog. I have watched Goosebumps, so that's Christmas. saying something. I love I've read a couple of the books, I, I think, but I've not yeah, watched. Yeah, I read. Not I read. Watched, I think yeah. I read nearly all of them. I loved Goosebumps. They were like the ones that everybody wanted to borrow from the library. Like everybody wanted the Goosebumps books. Yeah. But anyway, the priest ends up. Uh, well, actually, the uh, we'll cut back a little bit. So Billy runs in screaming, the crooked man, the crooked man, the crooked man. And everybody's freaking out. And the neighbours even come downstairs. And then the crooked man shadow comes up. And you can hear the crooked, like they're saying the crooked man rhyme. Yeah. But then Janet walks in. And yeah. then everything starts flying around. And a big fucking thing. Someone goes into the sideboard. It's a mirror, I think, or something yeah. like that. Or the table goes into the sideboard. So even the neighbours have seen it now. And then Janet ends up having a seizure and, like, fall into the floor. So then it cuts to the priest. And he's playing a tape for Ed and Lorraine. And it's one of the interviews of Janet. And yeah. he was like... Uh, they were talking about, well, who do you think this is? And Ed was like, oh, sounds like an old man. He sounds a little bit confused. Does he have... Is he senile? Is he okay? And he was like, "No, this is a this is an eleven year old girl." Yeah, and they they were freaking out. And so, do you want to say something there? Or were you just taking a breath? I, no, I was going to say it's important to note that because it, to, it, without watching the film, you might think, "Oh, so Lorraine wanted to they both wanted to cut down, but then the jet off to this case." But the agreement was always they they appealed for the church to sort something, but the church the, the church couldn't do that because of how popular hoaxes and stuff were becoming. So they sent Ed and Lorraine Warren, who obviously would Observers. be the most trusted, pe- trusted people possible, to go out and make the decision on whether or not the church should come out. They was never there to intervene. They was never meant to be there to to help the family. It was just to deter. There was that. There was kind of there for fucking uh, what? What do you call them? Guarantors for the uh, for the church. Yeah. Just to say, yeah, this is legit art. Now Testimonials. Yeah. Like Dr. Alan Grant in yeah. Jurassic Park. If they say it's haunted, then we need yeah. to go do something about it. Yeah, I agree. So that was the that was the deal essentially that Ed and Lorraine Warren made, and they go to London for three days. And even though Lorraine is reluctant, she ends up going. So they arrive and they go to the room covered in crosses, and they explain that this, you know, that you know they keep the door locked and it's an awful room. You you still hear scratches and bangs and things like that at night from it. And we get we cut to a really nice moment on screen, and Janet's on the swing, and the rain comes out, and they have this really cute conversation. Yeah. And oh, when she was like, "I finally found someone that believed me," and Janet was like, "What did you do?" And she went, "I married him." I was like, "I need yeah. to find an Ed Warren, that Ed Warren though, not the real Ed Warren, because he, he was dodgy as. I need to find that Ed Warren." But it was so cute. It, oh, and and then they mimic the conversation later, and I'm just here it's, for it it's, all it's the time. almost like in that scene, Lorraine's talking to a younger self. That's how she's yeah. like, approaching it. But there's a block there, so she can't sense anything paranormal yet. And so she's like, I can only sense their fear. But then she asks Janet about like where, where the voice is coming from. So she's like, Do you feel like the voice is coming from inside you? Yeah. And she's like, No, I feel like it's coming from behind me. And she was like, well, does it sometimes talk to you on its own? And she was like, sometimes. And 
she said it wants to hurt it wants me to hurt you and yeah. it wants to hurt you and she said well when did it say that and she was like just now and so he's behind her the whole time yeah and that is quite creepy yeah it is so creepy thought. the next interview the interview they do is a water trick so what she has to essentially do is put water in her mouth so there's no ventriloquist act going on so she's not throwing her voice deliberately to sound like someone else and the water would stop that so ed's asking her questions and she's got this water in her mouth and it doesn't work and she won't say anything and she spits the water back out and she says it says it'll only do it if you turn around yeah. and they're all looking at each other like yeah this is dodgy as but she turns they all turn around and they're like yeah okay and so she takes the drink of water and then she becomes Bill. And I really like in this scene that when they're talking, like you gradually see the, the morphing of yeah. Janet to Bill and well, you actually see him blurred in the background. What again I like about this scene, and it, this is again maybe points why I like the rest of the films, because I love how Ed in this, I love the way that Ed speaks as if they're just a person. Like, yeah. He doesn't like, that. those... If they were real, I'd imagine, like, and you've heard it in plenty of films, the feed off fear, like, the mm. feed, whereas you can just tell they don't give him that. It's more of, like, a, no, like, it's almost like Ed's got the higher ground because he's still alive and yeah. he uses that and he's like, well, no, this this isn't your house, yeah. you know? Like, get, family get, get, have moved yeah, on. Yeah, and it, it's, it, I just like the way he approaches these situations. It makes a character so much more believable in this because the, the Warrens in the Corring and in the Corring Corringes in the Corringes and the Conjurings in the Corringes. Oh, it's not even my edit for fuck's sake. In the <laughs> Conjurings, um, the like this just this bright light that you just know like they're untouchable. They like, are, yeah, close so, to God. Like and it's it's a settling thing when you see them. And it's like you felt relief for that family that they're there. You was like, oh thank God. And then when later on in the film when they leave because. Yeah. The, the, there's evidence and yeah, being a hoax. You're like, no, don't go. Like, <laughs> don't leave you're, you're them. Like, you, you think you can save them? That's what you think, don't you? Yeah, definitely a hundred percent. But Ed then holds the cross up and it turns her back to Janet. But he says, "Help won't go." Yeah. And like, it doesn't make much sense, and you don't think about it until later on. So Lorraine then says that she can't sense anything but the fear. There's no, there's no cloud of paranormal there's no bad feeling it's just all she can sense is them being afraid and then the whistling sets us off again and there's a really cool turning angle and janet is on the ceiling so this is the next night of the paranormal activity and so she's sort of gone from being laid down with peggy with the rope around her arm to being yeah. on the ceiling and watching bill from below and he stands up and he walks up the stairs and then he just pulls her back up into yeah. the other room. And I just thought that was incredible. And she's in the room with all the crosses and the crosses end up all turning around. That's freaky shit. That's completely fake, by the way. They didn't have a cross room. Like that was yeah. just fabricated by the film. But yeah, all the crosses start turning around and I knew this happened because it got me in the fucking trailer. So I, I was just like opening one eye, but through the corner, Bill jumps for her. Yeah, and uh, it is quite creepy, but then they once again it it comes back around and like all the kids end up coming back to the house and he's like we need to eradicate the fear in this house like this is this is a problem we all need to be a family again now we do learn that Peggy's husband and the kid's father had had twins with the neighbor yeah uh, or somebody down the road. And so he's he's not coming back. Yeah. And, you know, she's pretty devastated. And she said before Andy took all the music when they left. 
And he was like, oh, I know it may seem like that. She's like, no, he, he literally took all the vinyls and record. He took the music. Yeah, it, go, it goes through a really, a really heartwarming scene because Ed kind of... Oh. Ed kind of steps in to be the father figure that, that the kids have lacked and he's fixing the house up and he's, he's spending time with the kids, he's playing the guitar and I mean... Oh, you can, dogs, but, I'm going to cry. But I like, I like the way that the mother just appreciates that, not in a way like... Because she's it's, crying. It's never in a jealous bit of way or like, she never, because the film could have taken it like she'd take, she started to take a liking to Ed, but it, it's more just she just appreciates seeing how good he is with the kids and it... That, and again, this is all leading up to when they leave, and that it's to have that effect on you, like, no, please don't yeah. leave, like, they do need The dad's it. already left them. But this like... is what I mean from, like, if you cut out the, and this is why you'll like them, because it is very, it's a, it's a very good storytelling it film, is. but I just think the scares in it are very good. Yeah, and there's, oh, it's just the bit where he, like, he tries to put the record on, and it don't work, and he's like, all right, I'm going to have to improvise, and he picks up the guitar, and they all sit there, yeah. and he's doing his best Elvis impression and singing, and when he sings, I can't help fall in love with you, and he looks at Lorraine, yeah. oh God, it's the cutest thing I think I've ever seen, and that's also, fun fact, that is Mum and Wayne's wedding song, yeah. so it, it is, it's quite an emotional thing to watch, but Lorraine, Lorraine sort of pauses towards the end of it, and she's watching them, and I'm I don't think this is very well explained in the film, and I don't actually think it gets explained away, but her face changes. Whose? Lorraine's. It's sort of like she goes from like being smiling and happy and watching him, and then at the very end of the song, like a bra- brow sort of furrows and she steps back. And I don't know whether that's the idea of she's she's watching him and for a moment it seems really light-hearted but then she realizes why they're there and what danger that puts into Ed. Yeah. Possibly. I think it could be something like that. It's just not explained, but it's quite an interesting thing to have a look at but then um patrick wilson so ed says to peggy let's go have a look at the basement and see how bad the wash is flooded yeah. fucking hell <laughs> if it were, that's it's not a good it's not a good thing so the basement is like flooded up to his knees at least yeah and he's going to sort it out then from behind him she can see bill emerging from the water is it Bill or is it, it the is Bill? Is it, is it Bill it or is, is it the nun? Because you can't see it clearly. It's the Bill. I think it's Bill because of the bike mark that it leaves. Yeah, this is what I thought. So he ends up pulling Peggy down and he bites her and like she shows Ed that and Ed sort of reaches down for it and he finds the dentures from Bill. And it's not just the fact it's the dentures from Bill either because in the pub previously they were looking at the bite mark that Janet had and there yeah. were two teeth missing. This is what bothers me about like when Ed and Lorraine were so quick to just call it quits because they've seen, mm. like Ed's seen solid proof there that there's something different going on. Yeah. So I just thought, why was it so easy just to jump off and and, and just think, yeah, it's, it's bullshit because they've yeah. seen stuff like that happen. So everything's actually quite calm in the house near enough for once. The kids are putting up the Christmas tree and it's really cute. Janet hears a noise and she ends up poised with a knife and she's found, like, she the place is an absolute tip and when they all get back in, Janet's found in the boiler cupboard. Now that's freaky as fuck. Yeah, the way she opens the door like folded and into it. Yeah, and that is really creepy. But then the, the woman paranormal investigator that's not Lorraine Warren, she pulls them back and she's like, I've got evidence that suggests she's faking it. In fact, I know that she's faking it. And it just shows Janet bending things, throwing things across the room, absolutely destroying the place. Yeah. And like the next cut you get, and you are right, this bit is where Ed and Lorraine leave and Janet's just standing at the window watching them. And like even Lorraine finds it hard to look back and she ends up pulling Ed away and she's yeah. like, No, we need to go. 
And, you know, that must have been so hard for Janet at that point, especially because that, that's, we know well, why. And and the, the the chat we had with Lorraine, she had Lorraine in that about, oh, like, I found someone who believed in me, and she thought, oh, that Lorraine believes in me, and then for them to turn around and say, and, like, you, you could, like, you know how horrible it feels when... You tell it. When you're telling yeah. someone something that nobody believes you and think you're bullshit, and, and then it's especially when you feel like imagine thinking that, and then also your life being in danger because of it. Like yeah. the, all, like seeing Lorraine and Ed go, you just think right, all hope's lost now. Sort of like then. being told that you didn't like that you etched a St George's flag cross into the window when you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> you said that so casually, it scares me like a criminal mastermind. Is what it is, isn't it? That was so funny. Anyway, yeah, she it must have been so isolating for her. And the kids were like, why did you do it? Like, the other brother and sister yeah. were like, well, why did so you do it? So even they're doubting her now. And she went, it told me I needed to get rid of them. Yeah. And then Ed suddenly has this massive epiphany on the train that they're just about to get on. By the way, like, who can, how does a train stay for that long? Mm. <laughs> Without pulling off, yeah. I have no idea. But they're sitting there and he... The uh, recordings drop out of his bag, and then he's like, "The film crosses each yeah. other, so he he gets an inkling to put them like cross the films like audio wise, yeah." And then it's Bill saying, "Help! It won't let me go." And that's when you find out that the whole thing's Valak, who was using Bill as a pawn in his own game, to well, it was to it it was to warn it was to make it seem like there was nothing more than what it. Like, to, to turn Ed and Lorraine away, wasn't it? It was so that the church and that, they did think it was a hoax. That's what it was all about, I just, it? I felt really sorry for... Because Lorraine gets a vision and she's projected back into the room with Bill. Yeah. And he's sitting there and I just feel so bad for him. Yeah, because the Cause idea is like, that Bill died of... It was a hemorrhage, It was a hemorrhage. And, a and then he came, yeah. back, he came back home to try to see his family and then Valak was there and then Valak basically owns him now. And it's just Bill and he sits there and he's like, I think I'd like to go now. And I was like, oh my God. Like that, it probably like made yeah. me emotional that. I was like, that's so sad. But Bill was being used as much as Janet was. Which, which I must say, this is a very, very good twist, and it's hard to put a twist in a paranormal film where, unless like twists are easy in slashes, and do you know what I mean? Like things, things like that. Whereas a twist in a paranormal, it's, it's a bit tricky, like because the main characters are going to be the, the antagonist because yeah. the, the the real life they're not they're not spirits they're yeah. humans do you know what i'm saying yeah I'm, i agree with you completely not not twist where you think the bad guy the whole time that's yeah. a good time that's hard to pull off in a film like that yeah i mean i don't think that bill was particularly a good yeah but he wasn't he wasn't, wasn't, any, he wasn't evil yeah. Yeah. he was just being used like he yeah. had no option but yeah, and Lorraine, he gives Lorraine a riddle because Lorraine's like, how do I get rid of it? How do I, help me, you know, give me something. And it's like, I was given to you at birth and I'll follow you around. And it it goes through this whole riddle. It just makes me laugh that in the car back because Ed and Lorraine get off the train. It just makes me piss that Ed's like, Lorraine. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck off. <laughs> I was like, there's no such thing as Google in the 70s. You definitely did not think about that on the spot. But at this point, Janet sounds and looks creepy as fuck fuck like she's gone full on demon and she swings margaret into a wall and then she ends up getting pulled upstairs and it's just it all get it all kicks off and they're all sit and they're all standing there and, and lorraine's like well we must know the name because it wouldn't have that the, there wouldn't be a reason why it was after us if we if we didn't have the name so we must know the name somewhere but they can't work out where yeah. and i was just sitting there thinking it's been on your fucking shelf for about two weeks yeah. you should know it's on there 
And so Lorraine asks Ed to wait. So Ed tries to run into the house and she's like, please wait for me. Please, please wait for me. But he can't. And she's standing there and it's pissing it through Lorraine and she's resting her head against the door and she's like, I can't lose yeah, it. I'm li- so I've scared. literally got that quote written down. Yeah. It's, it's, it is like, you really are rooting from at this point. You are. Yeah. I love her so much. She's too precious for this earth. I can't cope. But Ed gets through via the basement and he gets steam in his eyes because he crawls up, like he, he pulls up the floorboards from underneath and gets up, but then the ghost undoes the thing. That was fucking hurt, that. Yeah. But he gets up still, but he can't see properly and all his senses are blurred and things like that. And so the crooked man is gradually behind him as well and following him around. Mm. Meanwhile, the, and I love this scene as well that Lorraine does, so she's like... A name, a name, a name. Can I just can I just say it by the way? Why don't you use the axe to chop, chop the tree down once the rain realised what it was? I'm just saying. Don't shoot the messenger. But also, may I add as well, world's smallest fucking axe. Yeah. <laughs> and, tra- and he's got he's got some seriously weak arms. Like, Lorraine's making me laugh because like, she's just sitting there like fucks. Like doors couldn't have been that strong back then. Like I'm not saying Wood's got stronger over the years, but You'd think a, a, a big built man with an axe would be able to get through that door in a few things, but for the next 10 minutes of the film, he's fucking just lumberjacking this tree. And he's put an hole in it, reach around and put your fucking yeah. head through. He's trying to cap. I think he's trying to the renovate rain. the door as opposed to actually break through it. Just it just makes me laugh that the rain's behind him and she's just like, for Yeah, waiting sake. for him. But then she runs up and she's like, a name, a name, a name. And she's trying to work it out. And it does this really cool camera angle where it circles her from bird viewpoint. And she's like, what's your name? And then she's like, I know Yon. And then she's like transported back to the nun. And she went, I know your name. She was yeah. like, "You, I asked you for your name. You gave me your name. And then she looks in the book and it's Valak. And because it's been scratched yeah. into the Bible. Good reveal. It is a good reveal. Valak. I'd, l- I'd like to know the law behind it. I think it would have ruined it to put it in this film because it, it doesn't need explaining, but I'd like to know that why Valet was telling her a name earlier on. Like, I'd like to know the law behind it. Like, is it is it something... Do you have to do tell you have them? To, do you have to give him that chance like, and get it across to him in some way? To, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Because otherwise, why would Valet ever say his name other than yeah. even it being cocky or whatever? But you still wouldn't risk Maybe that. it's the concept that she was in its world and like it had to tell her. I, I, I'd like to think like you have to... If they ask, you have to tell him in some way like that you have to. Yeah. But that's when she was in the... The further, well, more than mercy, yeah. Insidious, yeah, crossing paths. But, but like when, maybe, maybe when, yeah, because like you said, she was in kind of in his world. So maybe that, if they approach you in that world and ask you face to face, like they, they have to tell you. Because when, mm-hmm. when she's, yeah, because don't she scream it at some point and she doesn't know. She screams it in the street, don't she, when in the rain, like what's your name or something. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to think that there is a law, like if they ask you, have, they have to tell you. But it's just, it's amazing shots though. So it's the thing like it circles her from above and then the camera circles yeah. her and then there's the realisation and she switches and she's like, I know your name. Yeah. And she runs in after him and she's absolutely piss wet through because there's been a massive storm. At this point as well, the tree has been hit by lightning and it forms a sort of like a yeah. spear. And so if Ed falls into that, he's going to die. That's, and what, the she vision, that's knows, what the vision represents. Yeah, yeah, she sees it because she sees it a couple of times and it becomes clearer each time. And so she runs upstairs after him and the crooked man is in the tent and fucking shit's going down. But Janet's then hanging out the window and she goes to fall forward and Ed saves her. He grabs hold of her, but he's having to cling into the curtain to stay upright and the hooks from the curtains are gradually falling. And she's she's standing and then Lorraine comes in and she's like, you you gave me your name. Yeah. She's like, you are Valak, the defiler, the blah, 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 the blah, blah, the, the snake. snake. Yeah. And it... 
it kills Valak, essentially. And she manages to grab hold of Ed in time and pull him up and over. And all is well with the world. And then you've got literally the cutest bit at the end. So Ed is taking, he took the Crooked Man um, sonographer thing. And he placed it next to the one on the Conjuring, the first Conjuring as well. He placed it next to that. I I wonder how you'd live your life after going through that. Like, how much would your life change if if you went through something like that, that ordeal? I'd be terrified. What, as Ed and Lorraine or as... As as Janie, as Janie. No, Janet. Janet. Fuck's sake! As Janet, how how would you live your life knowing that that shit exists? Like, the reason I can sleep at night is because I don't really think it's... I I don't not believe, but I'm just like, well... Chances are. The evidence is lacking to say that it's real. But if I knew that, if I knew that demons existed, I'd be fucking terrified. That's what I mean, I'd be terrified. But then you you hear Elvis Presley start playing at the end. And he goes upstairs and she's standing there and offers him a hand. And the last scene you've got of them is dancing together really cutely. And oh God, it is so cute. They are literally the power couple of the entire world. I just wish they weren't such frauds in real life. Yeah. Because it lets their character down. Now I know, not because I did that episode. Now I fully research them and like know all the facts. I'm like, they were so far off the real people, yeah. and it, it it really upsets me. But you've just got to look. You've got to separate, aren't you? They could like, have, yeah, but it could have been. They could have done an entire two separate cases based on the Florence, yeah. and yeah, it could uh, yeah. never and never have have been anything to do with yeah. them. But I don't, I don't know. I just feel like it sort of dampens the. I get what you're saying. Because people who don't research it, they get a false impression of Ed and Lorraine Warren from this film, like and the previous films. People who don't actually look in depth to it, yeah. Like they'll be like, oh my god, yeah, they were such good people, and it's like, no, actually, they weren't that great people. But yeah. Yeah. That's my only. That's my only thing with it. But that's the end of the film. So. Would you? Uh, all right. Questions. Budget and box office first. So, budget, budget. $35 million. $40 million. You were very close. That was quite a good... What tolerance do I get? It's $5 million, was it? It? I thought it was a million. Was it $5 million? I thought it was $5 million. Alright, you can have it then. Right, that's two that I've got. Box office. $139 million. Three hundred and twenty-one point eight million. This fucking smashed the box office. Are they are good. They are super... The, the shame is, though, with The Conjuring 3, because it was only played in selective cinemas because of COVID, and like it wasn't allowed to full capacity, it didn't make anywhere near yeah. the amount the rest of them did. I think it still profited, yeah, I what you're but it was, it's a shame because as much, you know, I didn't hate the film, I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again, I'd like to watch it again properly, yeah. but it, you know, it was quite disappointing. So my behind-the-scenes trivia... On the very first day of filming, a priest was brought in to bless the set. Right. So it, they, <laughs> they weren't taking any yeah. fucking chances. I mean, I don't know whether they actually filmed in the home. Regardless, you just... Of any field. You, you just, but I can't just, imagine they would have been able to. Yeah, regardless, you are still fucking around with like, a lot of crosses and stuff and upside-down yeah. crosses and that, so maybe it's just a, a good idea. Another fact, the upside-down cross has never been used to represent any sort of demonic symbolism. That just came from horror films and horror. Oh, wow. Like That was never a thing, apparently. Oh, right. The inverted star of David is. Yeah. That's all that to do with Satanism and stuff, but we'll get into that probably when we end up doing the third one. But yeah, it was. that's an interesting one. So James Wan was exceptionally dedicated to this movie, so much so he turned down a huge sum of money after being asked to redirect Fast and Furious 8. 
Because right. he did seven. Yeah. He was asked to come back and he, he turned it down for the conjuring. So the non-demon Valak was actually added on a reissue in order to expand the story of Lorraine Warren having her faith question. Valak was never supposed to be a nun. No? No, it was changed to make... The, the reason why Valak was a nun was to question Lorraine's faith because she's yeah. a devout Christian. So it took on holy iconic imagery. Right. As is custom with the Conjuring franchise, Ed and Lorraine's involvement was heavily fabricated. According to Guy Lyon Playfair, one of the original paranormal investigators of the Enfield house, the Warrens turned up uninvited and stayed only one day. He also said Ed Warren told him he could make him a lot of money off the case. Fucking hell. And it makes me so sad when yeah. I say stuff like that. Contrary to popular belief, the Crooked Man is not CGI or animated in the movie. He's played by an actor and a contortionist. So there's no CGI or animation in the Crooked Man. Well, how do they unfold him then? That was the contortionist. Okay, no. It was uh, it was played by I can't remember what it was played by. It did give his name. That's really bad of me. But yeah, <laughs> Poor it, was, guy. it was played by that guy. And uh, Bill Wilkins' story is actually quite accurate in terms of his death. He did die of a hemorrhage on his chair. Oh. And lastly, there there's been a lot of speculation about Peggy Hodgson's death, which occurred in the home years later. Many saying that she died on that chair after a hemorrhage. Fucking hell. But that is never confirmed. Yeah. Like, it's just been pure Folks speculation. Yeah. yeah. So, would you rather... This is going to be quite a difficult one. It's nothing to do with haunting either, but it is a would you rather. So, would you rather we lived in a world where organs could be harvested or live in a world where we could genetically alter fetuses? Say that again. Would you rather live in a world where organs could be harvested or live in a world where we could genetically alter fetuses? Do you want me to explain? So, genetically, that's just like, you can basically customise your baby. Yeah, customise your baby. So, organ... So, I got this from... An organ... What, where you can just... Where, like, people do go around and nick organs? It's different. So, in terms of this, I've been... Uh, I read a series called Unwind, and it's amazing for those that want to uh, read it. You should. And it's about... They, they illegalise abortion in the world but instead of abortion from the age of 13 to 18 years old your parents can opt to have you unwound which is basically where you get put under sedation and your organs are taken from you one by one to give to healthy people and so it's the concept well, you, between the ages of 13, 13 to 18, 18. Well, I'd, it'd rather be genetic I, I think i think for the i think for the sake of the world but i'm caught but i'm this was no this was where i got my inspiration from but in terms of me being organs harvested, I mean, instead of it being like 13 to 18, organs harvested being um, we raise a complete different set of genetic people to keep us spares, essentially. Yeah, but but then... They still, they're, they're still, still human. Then no, I'd, I can't, you, you can't do that. I'd say I'd rather live where you can basically customise babies, even though I still think that's going to have such a bad effect on the world. Because I don't, I, like... The, the, the fact that you can't customise a baby is probably one of the best things about the planet because everyone's everyone's different, everyone's unique. Whereas, like, the, like the whole world is based off of trends and the generations would just be trends of things that popped at the time and everyone would be the same and it, it'd be off. And then, again, that's not harming anyone. At least at least you're still giving life a chance, whereas with organs, you, that, that's just inhumane. Do you know what I mean? that That's, like... You're basically breed like you're raising someone for the sole purpose of them saving someone else you value more than them, and it's it's 
you know what I mean? Like, how would you not get attached to him? Like, if they're just a normal human, like, what, what would you do? Keep him in a, in a basement or something? You just feel like it's... I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever be able to do that. So there's another there's another um, film, or book, well, it's a book by Koshiro Izagumi, and it's called Never Let Me Go. And they basically do that, but it's... They don't... You're not sent to a family. They're sent to a school. So it's just a school for clones. Mm. And then, and because they have no contact with the outside world, they don't know any yeah, better. Yeah, I, can't, I still think I can't... I, I don't know, though, because uh, it's one of them things where, like, if I'm not directly involved in it, like, humans love to turn a blind eye and just, like... Like, the way some animals can be treated and, like, you know, for, for your meats and stuff, like... I just feel like I, I feel like there's no right answer to this. There, there isn't. I, feel like I, I just feel like customizing your baby is not hurting if you did, anyone. But if you did live in like a world where we could genetically alter fetuses, like we could eradicate a race. We could, yeah. And it could, it would happen over time. Eventually, yeah. it'd get there. But no one's going to be directly impacted on it in the sense where if you raise, I just don't think the. I don't think people have the right, like, no one's got the right to be able to say, like, oh, this one will keep us a spare. Do you know what I mean? Then, even then, we're going to probably going to eradicate races, aren't we? Because. But it eradicates things like things that people make, that make people people. Things like, I don't know, um, autism. Like, you, if you chose a baby without autism, there'd be no autism in the world, but there's a lot of autistic children that. Uh, they're not heavily autistic, but it's just who they are. Yeah, and that, I get, that I, ran, I, and it, you know, things like Down syndrome and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same sense, like, and again, you're on about this organ stuff. Do you that that's gonna come with a fucking price? Like these, someone's gonna have to pay for these clones to go to school. Someone's gonna have to pay for them. Yes. It's gonna be it's gonna be the rich who can afford to have these organs, and and it, it become it become a business as opposed to there to help the greater good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it'd become a profitable money-making scheme. But if we did that with genetically altering fetuses, surely that would be for the rich as well. It would be. And so would that not create a higher... Which, which in that case, no one... No one... It don't really apply to us anyway because we won't be able to afford it either. But then would that not create a higher... A a larger gap in the divide between rich and poor? Probably, but I think a gap as massive as it is anyway. I think think now, without getting into politics and that, you can see, like, higher politicians and... Yeah. And celebrities and that. They know, they know that they're better than us. Like, well, they they think they are. And a lot of them don't even try and hide it now. And even when they do, people call them out. Like, for example, Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes, when he sat going on about I'm just saying, don't, don't, don't like, pat, don't yeah. patronise them by saying, oh, like, you, you don't know what it's like to be them. Like, and it, that, that's how we feel about it now. Like, I think, yeah. I think the persona of, like, the girl next door celebrity who was just like you is gone now. Like, we know who the rich are and we know who the non-rich are. So, but if I if I had to choose one, I'd choose I'd choose the genetically. I, I, it would cause. I'm not saying one of them. One of them just means you're not taking a life. One of them just means you're altering a life. You're choosing a life as opposed to taking it. Mm-hmm. So that's the one I go with for that reason. Happy with that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Film. That was for, good. That. that was a good question. Thank you. Film for next week. The platform. Oh, I never watched that. I thought you said you did. I thought I did, but I didn't. I watched the other one. It is a horror. But it's not... Is it going to be one of those ones that I can't find on Netflix or Amazon Prime? It is yeah. on Netflix. I yes. checked before I, before I wrote it down. Winner. Um, so it's, to, to give you one down, there's like, there's like 300 and odd platforms. I sign up for a social experiment. And the, uh, every day, all they've got, it's like a prison cell essentially, but it goes up. So you can see like all the floors up and it goes down to floor summit. And they put... Uh, so this platform starts on the top floor with a full buffet of food on it. 
and it gets dropped down to the net. You get X amount of time. You can't take any food off it. You can just eat at the table. And then when, when the platform goes down, that's your turn done for the week or for the day or whatever. And then the idea between it is it's like a social experiment on how do people act like because there's enough food for there to everyone to have minimal but enough to survive. And then get right down to the people bottom. Getting greedy but it, it swaps around every every week or something, and like it, it's a good, oh, it's a good, it's, it's a good. It's it's quite interesting. It's a good concept. Oh, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to watching that. It's not often that we get watch a film that we haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean, you've seen it. But I haven't. I've only seen it once. Yeah. So I haven't seen it before. So that should be really entertaining. Right. Tune in Monday for that then. Hope right. you enjoyed. Bye.